Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. <clears throat> Welcome to the show. All right, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 Sent out a several things since the Thursday night massacre ended. Um, first of all, if you want the contact information for members of the Clown Car Act that is the Milwaukee Fire and Police Commission, the ones responsible for the Thursday night massacre of Chief Morales, um, I, I've got a link to it. Um, if you live or work in Milwaukee, I'm sure the members of the Fire and Commission would love your input on their job performance. If you decide to respond to them, please do not be vulgar. But um, if you want to reach out and contact these folks, you, you have an opportunity to do that. As I mentioned a couple minutes ago, this is from the perspective of the taxpayers of the city of Milwaukee. Just look out because this there will be, I predict, have no inside information on this, but I predict there will be a lawsuit and it will be a massive lawsuit that will result in the taxpayers making a huge payment. Um, exhibit A would be the statement issued by the mayor, Tom Barrett, who climbs down off the milk carton. He's not doing public appearances on this, but he issues the statement saying he's upset with the Fire and Police Commission for their lack of transparency and their failure to follow rules, etc., etc. If I'm the attorney for former Chief Morales, that is Exhibit A and that tape alone is probably worth a couple million dollars in the inevitable lawsuit and the settlement that will come out. Fire and Police Commission, a complete disaster. But in any event, if you want to reach out, you want to see how you can contact and, and who the seven members of the Clown Car Act of, that is the Fire and Police Commission are, you, you can do that. In addition, um, the, I, I've been talking a lot about what's been going on in Portland because I am afraid that that this could be the ghost of Christmas future in Milwaukee, especially given the fact that we have a fire and police commission and you have politicians who have decided to pander to a small vocal mob as opposed to standing up for public safety and the interests of the larger community. Now, out in Portland, they've had over 70 days of of rioting and demonstrations. Not every night has devolved into a riot, but many nights have. And as you will recall, over the last, well, within up until about a week ago, one of the issues in, was that, that there was a presence of federal law enforcement agents who were sent to protect federal buildings. And that then became the focus. I was the guy, and I know you might have disagreed with me when I said this. I was the guy who said, look, to, to me, if I was President Trump, I, I wouldn't have the federal agents there. And it's not because I'm not a law and order guy, but because the presence of the federal agents became the story. You had out-of-control rioters, looters, arsonists, anarchists, who were engaged in illegal, life-threatening behavior. But that wasn't what was getting covered. It was, oh, the, the, it's the presence of the feds. Okay, so my point was, look, it, it's the Pottery Barn theory. You know, we go to Pottery Barn, you break it, you bought it. My, my position was always, look, if, if the mayor of the city of Portland or the governor of Oregon doesn't want federal help and wants to allow the looters and the rioters and the anarchists to burn down the city, well, okay, they, they broke it, they, they bought it. And by pulling out the federal troops, the federal agents, what happened is you take that issue away. Well, interestingly enough, 
no surprise, you take away the federal agents and the rioting and the looting did not go away. And as a matter of fact, you can argue that it has escalated to an unprecedented level. Here, I alluded to this on yesterday's show, but I I didn't know the full details. I've just sent out a tweet that that is now quoting the mayor of, of Portland, and even he has finally reached his breaking point because here's what happened on Wednesday night. You had a a group of rioters, looters, anarchists that decided to descend on a police precinct office, you know, a police station. They tried to set this building on fire. And what they did is they tried to block the exits to stop police officers, and civilian police employees from getting out. They tried to kill 20 to 30 or more police officers and, again, just civilian workers by trapping them in a burning building. And and before that, they they spray-painted the cameras so that you couldn't identify who they were and things like that. But, But that's what's going on. You had people that tried to murder... Police officers burn down a building and block people from getting out. Um, So the the mayor finally, I guess, has had enough is enough. I mean, here's what he comes out and he says he the, the mayor had Mayor Ted Wheeler had strong words for rioters who blocked exits and started a fire at the Portland Police Bureau's East Precinct building. When you commit arson with an accelerant in an attempt to burn down a building that is occupied by people who you have intentionally trapped inside, you are not demonstrating you are attempting to commit murder, to which I would say no kidding. I'd actually say something else, but we'll just kind of leave it at, at, at no kidding. But that that is what is going on, and that is the face of at least some of this quote-unquote protest movement. They tried to kill a few dozen police officers and civilian employees by trapping them in a private build in a building. And, and this idea that, okay, well, you, you pull out the federal government, and, and this, this whole issue is going to go away, no. When will we learn that you cannot cater to the mob, that you cannot simply allow lawlessness to go on because it escalates? It gets worse and worse and worse, and sooner or later, people are going to die. You, you've seen that. You saw it in Milwaukee where officers got injured when people were throwing stuff at them, and you've got a fire and police commission who's more concerned that they use tear gas to break up the people that were looting and vandalizing and throwing bricks and pieces of concrete at the police, more concerned that, gee, we tried to break up that mob than the fact that people were getting injured. You saw it in Chicago. You had a mob that ambushed a whole group of police officers outside a Columbus statue in downtown Chicago, throwing frozen water bottles and things like that. They put like 18 cops in the hospital and, and were more concerned, again, about we're using tear gas to disperse them. And you saw what happened two nights ago in Portland, which sounds like a calculated attempt by a group of people to murder, murder dozens of people by trapping them inside a building which you then subsequently try to set on fire all right and 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 yet it is the mob that we are catering to what what's going to have to happen before some politicians end up waking up all right 855-616-1620 that is the acunate mortgage talk and text line the headline 
in the local newspaper, Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales demoted to captain. Fire and Police Commission says he failed the city. He failed the city. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Did Chief Morales, former Chief Morales, did he fail the city? Or have other entities failed the city? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talks and Text Line. As I said on my Twitter account, it's again at Jeff Wagner 620. I think Chief Morales is a good man who deserved better. It's the mayor, the Clown Car Act, that's the Fire and Police Commission, and the various politicians who turned on Morales in order to pander to certain loud but small constituencies. I think they're going to have to own what happens next with crime in, in the city. I do not think... The chief, the former chief, failed the city. I think there's a lot of people who failed the city, but I don't think it was Morales. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start with Tim in Fredonia. Hi, Tim. Hey, Jeff. You know, you, you know your call screener there, Jordan? He's one of the best, man. I'm telling you, that guy is awesome. He's always pleasant. So I thought I'd give him a plug. There you go. Jeff, here's the deal. Here's the deal, Jeff. Okay. And absolutely, he was railroaded, Morales, Morales. But this is what happens, Jeff, and I'll tell you why. When you elect people at the Common Council with an agenda, with a with a vendetta agenda, mm-hmm. and then you have a mayor who appoints Jeff. The Fire and Police Commission, when you and I were growing up, was a very, very. Uh, it was a good board. It was loaded up with ex-coppers, fire firemen, thing, people, executives, people who actually knew something and did the job. Now you have members who have the IQ of cloth, Jeff, and I say that meaningly. I say that because these guys had had an axe to grind with with Morales, and guess what? At the end of the day, if I was Gimbo and Morales, I would sue for as much as I could get. And, Jeff, legally, is there any way he could get his job Back as chief, if he wanted that, I'll leave that to you. I don't know legally. If he could well, do I, that. Mean, I mean, th- I mean, I mean, I guess you, you you could sue to be reinstated, and you could argue that the termination process violated all sorts of laws and maybe discriminated against you. I I think there's going to be when the inevitable lawsuit comes, there there's going to be all sorts of valid grounds as far as as reinstatement. In, in all, you you could ask for that. In all likelihood, what's going to happen is he he's going to he's going to walk away with a cash settlement. I mean, because I mean that the fire and police commission I, I think has created such a hostile working environment that you you can't as a practical matter the, the, those eggs are broken and they can't be put back together again. But I do think that in the event that there is a lawsuit, uh, the city of Milwaukee is is going to be left carrying the holding the bag for some very, very big costs. The, the bigger point of this, though, Tim, is is to what you're touching on, the, the whole idea of the question of, of public safety that, that, is, that is out there. You have a chief of police, the first chief of police that I can remember in a long time, that had the support of the rank-and-file members of, of the department. Matter of fact, I have in my hands a, a statement that the police union... You know, just, just go back. I'm, I'm trying to think... You know, over the, the 25 years that I've been doing a radio show in this market full or part time, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I 
you ever had a situation where the the police, the rank and file, and, and the the chief were on the same page. This is this is that example because the rank and file members knew that that Al Morales had their their back, and he he they knew that Al Morales wasn't going to, for example, put them in life threatening situations and not give them the ability to defend themselves. And that's precisely what the Fire and Police Commission has has done. They they've put they've set they set Al Morales up to fail. They've set the new police chief up to fail as well. They've decided to again get in bed with some loud vocal constituencies that I think are not representative of the city of Milwaukee. And and now the question becomes okay, what what ends up happening next? What you're going to see is you're going to see I think to the, there, there's been an exodus of police officers. I, I think you're going to see an even greater exodus. More and more people just saying, "Look, we 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 just we cannot work in these sorts of situations. We're going out the door." Now I know that there's some people out there who are going to be applauding that. Oh, that that's great. Let's get rid of all these police officers. Okay, well, well, who are you going to call? When your house gets broken into or your car gets stolen or you get, you know, strong arm robbed when you're walking down the street, um, that's or then, you know, the, the shootings, the what were there, 16, 16 shootings in the city of Milwaukee just over over like a two day period last weekend. All right. At some point in time, these sort of decisions have a huge impact. All right. John in West Milwaukee. John, you're on WTMJ. Hey, buddy, I'm here. Okay, you're on the air. Okay, uh, my question is this here. I don't want to fault the wrong person, but when these cars are driving up and down the street with no license plates and not checked by anybody, yep. running stop signs and running stop lights, I need to know, is that the chief job to put police in that area to, 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 to stop this? Because I think if you stop that, that'll stop a lot of crime right there because those cars need to be taken off the street mm-hmm. if they're not registered. Or what have you? You know, I need to know. I don't want to fault the chief wrong because if that's the chief job, then 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 no, he's not doing a good job. Well, I'll let, you know, I, that's just one thing. No, let me. I mean, thanks for calling. No, I, I appreciate that, and I, I just I, I will tell you what I perceive. For, first of all, Al Morales was not fired because he was not aggressive enough on crime. Al Morales was fired because he stepped on the toes of some very, very politically correct people. He wasn't perceived as being sensitive enough to to certain segments of the community. He used tear gas on on people that were throwing bricks at police officers. Oh, how dare you stand up to some of of these rioters? He, He got on the wrong side of some politically correct people and some constituencies, and, and I think there was a degree of racism that was in, in this. I, I firmly end up believing that. And I, unfortunately, I think the new chief is being set up to fail as well. Now, to your point, I, I agree. And unfortunately, we're moving in exactly the opposite direction. I'm a big proponent of of the broken windows policing idea, the, the idea that you, you need to stop those cars that are driving 60 miles an hour and running through red lights. And we... There are higher crime areas of the city of Milwaukee. There are lower crime areas of the city of Milwaukee. And if I were the police chief, I would be flooding the higher crime areas of the city with officers. That's what I would be doing in an effort to catch these people. Unfortunately, that was not something that the chief got any support for trying to do. And the the new chief, I mean, the new chief's not going to be able to do that either. I mean, 
because that's this fire and police commission is not about stopping crime. They, they just flat out aren't. The fire and police commission and members of the common council at the moment are more about trying to cater to the politically correct demands of certain segments of the community, I think, than they are about questions of public safety. And I really worry what that is going to mean for people who live in Milwaukee and for people who work in Milwaukee and for people who are used to traveling to Milwaukee to, I don't know, go to sporting events or, or go to restaurants. I will tell you something else. If I was someone who was a business owner or who had a significant investment in the city of Milwaukee, I, I'd be wondering, okay, what what does this mean for my investment going forward? But to your point, yeah, I I, I want to see a police chief be aggressive, John. I, I do. I want to see a police chief out there catching the, the people that are committing these crimes. And then I want to see him prosecuted, which is the whole other thing. You talk to a lot of cops and they'll tell you they catch the people. And then what happens is they go over to the court system. And especially in the era of coronavirus, you got a DA's office who charges almost nobody short of murder or major league assault. They just catch the people, they turn them loose, and they continue to commit crimes. I think this has just been a travesty. And, and Al Morales will be fine. He, 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 he will, they will file a lawsuit. He will collect a really big check. That is my prediction. He, he'll ultimately be fine. I'm more worried about the rank-and-file members of the Milwaukee Police Department. I'm worried about the large percentage of the community who wants to be safe. I'm worried about, well, all sorts of other things with regard to public safety. Because I'm telling you, last night, the Thursday night massacre was a very, very, in my opinion, dark day for public safety in the history of the city of Milwaukee. And by the way, none of this is a comment on on the new acting police chief, Michael Brunson, who is is in the same difficult situation that former Chief Morales was. Okay, so what happens when you have protesters that decide they're going to go out and they're going to start rioting and they're going to start looting, all right, and you then make the decision to defend the police officers and use tear gas? Well, you're going to be right in the same situation you were that that, the Chief Morales was. And and what if you look at what's going on with crime and you decide, you know what, I I need to be more aggressive. I need to flood some of the high crime areas because I've got to get a handle on these shootings. Well, you're, you're going to run afoul of the Fire and Police Commission and the mayor and the, the handful of people on the Common Council who've decided to, uh, again, side with lawlessness, side with the most vocal elements of the community over the vast majority of people. You, it, the precedent is terrible. You're set the next police uh, chief up to fail. You've set other police chiefs in the future up to fail. The problem is the Fire and Police Commission is out of control. The problem is you've got members of the Common Council who are out of control, and your problem is you've got a mayor who's just flat out punched out. It's not good for anybody. And I'm getting just a ton of text here, including from people saying, no, if, if we had investments in the city of Milwaukee, we'd be getting the heck out. Well, I, I, I don't know, but I'm telling you, it was a very, very dark day. Um, it's a very, very dark day in Milwaukee, given the precedent they have now set. And this comes from somebody who has not had the best relationships with some of the Milwaukee police chiefs over the years. Al Morales was, in my opinion, the best one that the city has had in decades. And he just got, figuratively speaking, run out of town on a rail. Shame on everybody involved with that. 
Here's the text. Jeff, the things that are going on with the Fire and Police Commission are exactly why we just put our house up for sale. We are getting out of Milwaukee. I, I do, I, I mean, you, you do kind of wonder who who's running the show here. And, and at this point in time, you really get the idea that it, it's the anarchists, it's the small, vocal folks who are, are driving the train. And you have, for example, members of the Common Council. Let's even forget about the Clown Car Act. It's the Fire and Police Commission. Members of the Common Council that have decided, at least not all, but, but many, who've decided it is in their political interest, at least in the short term, to side with the loud, vocal people who object to certain things. And, and they think that that's going to benefit them long term. My guess is history is going to prove them wrong. Time will tell. Time will tell. At the moment, though, I mean, I think a lot of people are thinking from a perspective of homeownership or business or whatever, will the last person to leave the city of Milwaukee please turn out the lights? All right. This is a follow-up to something I I talked about earlier this week, and and I lump it in the category of you cannot fix stupid. Now, I'm willing to discuss it, and actually I want to discuss this with you because I understand why you might – disagree with me all right i am not a proponent first of all okay we now have a statewide mask mandate i i do not believe that the governor has the authority to issue that i I think the order is is illegal i think if it's challenged in court it'll be overturned or at least it should be i also believe that it is bad policy it is an overreach to take a one-size-fits-all approach to things. And that is that if a local community like Milwaukee says, okay, COVID-19 is out of control in our city, we need to have this extensive mask ordinance where we, we tell people they've got to wear masks outdoors, even though we know people aren't going to do that. We Okay, that that's fine. That's a Milwaukee thing. But I, I think if you look around the state, there's different concerns at different levels of the state. So that's why I don't think a one-size-fits-all policy is appropriate. I, I think you should have local control. I, I don't I don't want to discuss those aspects. So that's kind of where I am on the whole question of wearing masks. Do I wear a mask when I'm inside? Yeah, as a general, when I'm inside um, public buildings, yes, I I do. As a general rule, I think that's respectful to to people. So even though I'm not, I'm not sold on the government mandates, I think people need to be smart, and it's it's a good idea to to do those sorts of, of things. All right, now having said that, There is a flip side to this, and it it occurs when people just behave in a fashion that I think is irresponsible. And I actually, I think it makes it more difficult for people like me who who want to argue about like this this government control and government orders. And, And I make the argument, oh, people are smart. People will do the right thing. And then you see stories like happened last weekend in Oshkosh where you have hundreds if not thousands of people who descend on this this beach what do they call it the sandbar bash and you get these pictures of people who are standing shoulder to shoulder listening to music like it was summerfest or like it was state fair or like it was you know a guns and roses concert without any conception of the fact that you know there that that there that there, there's probably somebody in there who is sick i mean to me it's like you, you just can't fix stupid do, do I think you should have a mask, a statewide mask or, ordinance? No. But at the same time, don't people need to be smart and don't people need to realize that we are in a pandemic? And the more that people behave in a fashion that is irresponsible, the longer this pandemic is going to go on and the more 
it is going to tempt government officials to do stuff that I think would be absolutely devastating the economy, like, for example, order another business shutdown. All right, so against that backdrop, story breaks yesterday, and and here's the headline. Uh, And I sent out, matter of fact, I sent out a tweet about this as well, if you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620. All right, here's the story. Graduation parties in Mequon, Thienesville, linked to an uptick in coronavirus cases in young adults, health officials say. Graduation parties in Mequon and Thienesville have been linked to a recent uptick in coronavirus cases in young adults. When a person, okay, all right, so they're, they're doing contact tracing, and, and what they're doing is they're, when somebody tests positive for COVID-19, they ask where you've been, et, et cetera, et cetera. All right, here, here's the part of the story that got my attention. The health department talked to one symptomatic person who attended three separate social gatherings before testing positive. All right, so let, let me interpret that. You've got somebody who is sick. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if they're running a hundred and two fever or they're coughing up a lung, but they have symptoms of coronavirus. They have not been been tested yet, so it's not confirmed. But they've got symptoms. All right? They go to not one, not two. They go to three graduation parties, and they presumably infect a whole bunch of other people. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm sorry, you you can't fix stupid. And I kind of want to, figuratively speaking, go out and slap some people in the head. And I'm thinking, okay, what, what are you thinking of? You're sick. Now, you, you don't know for sure that you've been diagnosed with coronavirus, but you're, you're sick. You, you've got symptoms. So, you know, I mean, I don't care if it's COVID-19 or the flu or whatever. If, if you had symptoms of the flu, I wouldn't want you going to three big parties and hanging out with kids and because you're going to get other people sick. And, and yet we have at least a certain segment of our society and in this case it's it turns out to be younger people that that are behaving in this fashion that is just hopelessly irresponsible you know i i don't i do not understand look i i have my 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 wife has a comes from a very very large family there's lots of nieces and nephews and and grand nieces and grand nephews we've been to a couple graduation parties over the course of the last uh you know month or so in one case it was a small party involving pretty much family only in the second case i think it was a larger party i don't know because we went really early before people came and we left really early before a lot of people came so we we've tried to be responsible in in that fashion i'm not saying you shouldn't necessarily hold parties. But I guess my point is, don't you have some responsibility? And this is on the individual. If you're if you're feeling sick, you know, if you've got symptoms and we are in a pandemic here and it's not going to go away until you get a vaccine or you kind of get this under control. How irresponsible is it to go out and go to parties when you're not feeling good. Is it too much to ask 
all right, you're not feeling good. You've got a fever, whatever. You've got some of these symptoms. We don't know for sure what's wrong, but maybe, just maybe you should stay home. Is that too much to ask? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, it's somebody who who's arguing and has been arguing for months that we, we need to figure out ways to keep the state of Wisconsin and this country open so people can work. We need to find a balance between really, really tight rules and just the wild, wild west. I I see stories like this, and it just drives me absolutely bat crap crazy that people are, are this irresponsible. And if I was, if I was the parents of some of these kids who went to one of these graduation parties and got sick because it turns out that some yo-yo who's got symptoms decided to show up, well, I wouldn't be very happy, I probably wouldn't be very happy with my kid that they were in a situation where they're exposed to this, but I'd be especially unhappy with the kid who was symptomatic who decided to go to the parties. 855-616-1620. All right, I, I know you might have a right to do these things, but don't we collectively have a right to expect that people will behave in a responsible fashion. 855-616-1620. And I'm sorry, going to multiple graduation parties when you've got symptoms of of COVID-19 is the farthest thing from responsible that I can imagine. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I, I don't want to debate uh, about how bad is the pandemic and and has this all been overblown or whatever. I, I live in this real world. I, I want things back to normal. I want to be able to go to ball games. I, I want to be able to sit in restaurants and, and not be worried about whether people are going to get sick. I want to be able to go and sidle up to a bar and stand next to my friend and, and have a beer. I want to be able to do that. And we're not going to be able to do that till we get get a handle on on the spread and the growth of, of COVID-19, regardless of how, regardless of, of whether you think it's going to kill you or, or not. And, and we do know that especially for, you know, certain people, you know, if you're a, of a certain age or you're vulnerable, you know, you, you don't want to get this because it's going to be really bad results. And we know most people get it and they get better, but still, you don't want to end up getting sick. But I want to get all, I want to get past this. And for us to get past this, people need to be smart and I'm sorry, when you've got symptoms of COVID-19, deciding that you're going to go to not one, not two, but three graduation parties and infect all sorts of people, that that's just flat out not smart. Karen in Kiel. Karen, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. So, um, interesting enough, I live in Kiel, and our Kiel picnic was canceled. It's a big thing in our family. And uh, my husband and I were going to kind of sort of replicate the keel picnic at our house tomorrow with our eight grandchildren and their parents. Right. Everything's set up, everything's bought, we've got games playing, um, anything that the keel picnic would normally have, the kids are getting all excited. So today we have a text from my daughter-in-law who had a co-worker who came down, tested positive for COVID, and she's got symptoms. Right. So now what do we do? So, you know, like either they don't come, that yeah. family doesn't come for a potential exposure or not. But my take is we're going to cancel it because, one, I take it very seriously and I am around people who don't. Yeah. I work in I work in the healthcare and I always tell people, look, I'm protecting you from me. I'm exposed to people all day long 
and I am going to protect you from me, so I'm going to limit to where I, what I do, where I go. We're going to cancel this big party that's planned. It's going to disappoint a lot of people, right. but we have to be responsible and do that. Well, There's and- so many things that we want to do, too, go to ball games, go to concerts and all that stuff. But right now, we cannot do that. Right. And so, Karen, it was, it was your sister that was exposed and is starting uh, to show some... Okay, daughter-in-law that no, was no, exposed. No. Uh, and she, has... she, uh, a, co- a co-worker yeah. of hers uh, yeah. developed symptoms earlier in the week. She was tested. She's positive. Yeah. So my daughter-in-law works in yeah. with her. I, I, exactly. Well, that would... But you, she hasn't showed symptoms herself yet, but she was exposed no, to somebody. No, Yeah, no, but I see, and again, I, I think, Karen, what you're talking about is the responsible thing to, to do. Certainly responsible for your daughter-in-law to call and say, hey, I, I just mm-hmm. don't think I should come because I don't know. I, I mean, I, I hope I don't Definitely. have it. No, and, and, if, and right. if she didn't tell you that... I mean, I'd be angry as heck right. if all of a sudden you find right. out and she knew. No, thanks. See that, and that's all I'm saying. And I have a text here from somebody saying, "Jeff, I normally agree with you, but are we supposed to wear a mask and go back to the stay-at-home order and not leave home until who knows when uh, they feel like working on a vaccine, if and when it ever becomes available?" No, and I'm I'm trying to avoid that 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 point. What I'm I'm not saying that you shouldn't go out, and, and I'm actually not saying that if it's a you know as long as the the party is, I, I don't know as as long as it's got some degree of control or something like that. I, I'm not even saying that you shouldn't have a graduation party. My my point here is if you if you are feeling sick, and whether or not you've got a positive test or not, but you're feeling symptom sick and you've got symptoms, I think it is. It is irresponsible and just flat out stupid for you to be so selfish that you're going to go out and you're going to mingle with all sorts of other people and, and risk infecting them. Now, I, look, I understand that sometimes people don't know. I, I understand it's you, you're asymptomatic. You don't know, and you, you don't know that you've been exposed to COVID nineteen. So you, you go to the party, and then it turns out a couple of days later you get tested, and it finds out, boom! I'm oh gosh, I, I I've I've inadvertently passed this on. I understand that sometimes that type of stuff is is going to happen, and there's nothing you can do about it. All right, I, I get it. That that's life. So I'm not arguing you shouldn't be able to, to go out and interact with people. I, I am saying though that when you know you're sick, wh- whether it's again, regardless of whether you got a diagnosis or not, you're you're coughing, you've got a fever, wh- whatever this is, you've got these symptoms. How irresponsible can it be for you to to go out and risk infecting other people to just take the position that, well, okay, it's it's not going to be that bad. I mean, I've told the story before. I have a very, very dear friend who um, just got done with cancer treatments. He's he's older than I am. Uh, and uh, I mean, one of the great pleasures in my life it, it, over the last couple of years has been able to going out and having dinner with my buddy. I, I, I love we go to restaurants. You know, our, our wives are very, very close friends. And, and and he just can't do that anymore. And so what we do, be, because it's just it, it's an unnecessary risk, because he's one of the people that if if, if he ever, Lord forbid, you know, got this coronavirus, I, I think it would be a very, very big deal in a bad way. So, you know, what we do is in an effort to see him once every week or once every 10 days, we, we schedule a time. We go over to their place. We sit outside on their porch and they've got a big deck and maybe we have a drink or sometimes 
times we bring food or, or whatever, but we appropriate, we do the social distancing. If I was running a fever or I had symptoms of, of COVID-19, there's no way in God's green earth that I would be going over there. And there's no way in God's green earth that they would want me to go over there. All I'm saying is, you know, don't, don't we need to be smarter? And if we don't want to have government regulation and government dictating closing businesses and government dictating rules that may or may not make sense, we, we've got to all, as till we get through this thing, we, we've got to all start thinking and saying, okay, maybe this isn't the best idea. And unfortunately, you have a bunch of, at least a few, you know, young people, in this case in Ozaki County, who weren't thinking very well. You can't fix stupid, but you can call it out. And this was stupid. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, so Eric Bilstein, Greg just tells us that the, the Cardinals... Their game, they were supposed to play the Cubs tonight in St. Louis. That game has been canceled because more Cardinals players testing positive. I'm looking at the St. Louis paper now. Mm. Eight total players, six staff members have tested positive for COVID-19. So they haven't. They haven't played a game for a week. No, No, they haven't played a game for a week. No, they have not. And I, I guess... You know the the question is. I mean, you know, we've we've talked about this, and I, I admit, I, I hate to be a skeptic, but I, I still say I, I think it's ninety ten that they they just don't get through a World Series. You wonder how they're able to do it, especially so even if they continue to play. But if you have all these teams that have these five or six day layoffs because they can play, how does that work out? Well, well right, you've got a sixty game schedule as it is, so they, they've and now it's been a full week, and and who knows. If you've canceled the game today, who knows what you're going to do? You you would assume that they're not. I mean, you'd assume, you'd assume that they're not going to be able to play right, for the weekend because sure, because right. if I'm the Cubs, I'm, I'm like and I'm traveling <laughs> to St. Louis. Right. Well, I'm going. Wait a second. You know, we're we're going to go here where you've got this this outbreak that's going on. So if you lose those games, and so now you've lost an entire week out of just a sixty game season. I mean, I saw they they'd rescheduled the games with the Brewers yep, as yep. as part of a series of double headers. Yeah. But there's only so much that you there's only so much you can do and and that's i mean already the stuff with the marlins has thrown the schedule off and now you've got this ongoing thing as people continue to test positive with the cardinals and you gotta figure that it's going to happen to some other team somewhere yeah it's only a matter of time really if you do the math so i i mean just again holding my breath just crossing my fingers yeah i think that's i think that that's a uh you know that that's a good way to be and and of course the interesting thing is the cardinals were quarantined in milwaukee they were up at the fister and they they just left the the fister you know they just left milwaukee just a couple days ago and flew to st louis and so now you've got this outbreak so you know and this is part of the reason why mlb came out with those crazy new rules i mean i'm sure you saw some of oh, those yeah. where, <laughs> don't oh, look yeah. at each other don't talk well, with don't, each other don't, don't eat, eat with anything, don't yeah. eat in the same room with right. other people and yeah and, and the new rules are okay when you're at home don't go to malls don't go mm-hmm. to bars don't go to like large Departments don't go to places where people are going to congregate. It, I mean, if you're on work release, you have fewer restrictions than that. <laughs> and and it, it just it just seems to me. I mean, I understand why they're doing it, but it just 
I just I don't understand how people would they think that people are going to follow this. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. So Football anyways. is watching this very closely. Well, yeah, and your know, college. I mean, I don't. I've already said this. I don't see any way that college football occurs. I mean, how? At least with the pros, you've got that financial incentive mm-hmm. that there's okay. You you don't want this to go upside down because then you're not going to get paid right, for it. But right. you know, college. You've got a hundred college kids and however many trainers or or whatever. How in the world are you going to keep them in in a bubble? They're, you know they're going to be going to parties and they're going to be hanging. What college boys do is right. they look to try to find college girls. Yes. That's you know, a bunch of twenty year old dudes. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. So um, it'll be interesting. Just one final thought on what we were talking about in the the, the last hour, and it's and, and I want people to understand this. I. I, I understand that we all have different opinions as to how significant that this ongoing pandemic is and whether it's overblown or whether this is like the new bluebonic plague. I understand we're all across the map on this, but this is something we should all agree on. We, we Until we get through this, we do not get back to normal. And I don't know about you, but I desperately want normal. I, I, I want to be able to go to baseball games. I want to be able to go to State Fair. I want to be able to go to, you know, restaurants with, with some of my friends who might be, you know, have, have physical conditions that they don't want to get coronavirus. I, I want to be able to hang out. And, and the reality is stuff is just being canceled right and left. I want to be able to go to concerts. I want to be able to go to Las Vegas. I want to be able to go to Disney World. And, and we're not going to be able to do that. Whether you agree with mask rules or not, and by the way, one of the things that kind of troubles me with this mask rule, and I'm waiting for somebody to start to analyze it, you know, there have been, like California, they imposed a, a mandatory statewide mask rule, middle of June, and it does not appear to be working. Nobody will say that, but I mean, the numbers in California are are continuing to rise. And, you know, that's one of the things, okay, everybody thinks like if everybody wears a mask, that's going to be the end of it. I'm not sure that that's the case at at all. I I think, you know, this may very well be here to stay, mask or not. I'm not encouraging people not to wear masks or anything like that. I'm just saying that for everybody who thinks that that's the magic bullet, I don't know, because there's a lot of states that have had those rules in effect, and they're they're still having it. But to the extent we're talking about normal, I mean, during Eric's newscast, brewers on deck, that, that's that's an event that occurs in January of 2021. That's now been canceled. You know, I, I mean, it's just one thing after another is being canceled for the foreseeable future. And, and it has a real-world impact, not just on the fun stuff we want to do, but on, on businesses. I have a – I was just looking at a story – uh, talking about how you, they, they estimate that maybe there's as many as a third of all businesses that have been, you know, that they were closed as a result of the, the ongoing, you know, COVID-19 concerns that are never going to reopen again. Again, we, so we, we have to get past it. And, and if you feel like you're sick, go, going out, you know, when, when you've got a fever or you've got symptoms, Going out and, and hanging around and infecting a whole bunch of other people, that's just flat out not smart. One final text on this. Jeff, I know of an individual who was positive, had 102 temperature, went to work, didn't tell anyone he had a temperature. He also went to a golf outing and a dinner afterwards, all while still having symptoms. That's why this is still spreading. 
Well, I, I think there is an element to that. And I get that you have asymptomatic people who, who spread it. But when you have people who know they're sick and they're going out in public, that to me is just the height of irresponsibility. And, and if we're trying to get past this, it, it starts with if you're sick, don't go out. If I had the flu, I wouldn't be going out to large groups of people. This is no different than that. All right, when we come back, there's another casualty of coronavirus. This has been going on for a long time, and it's now come to a head. I will tell you about it, and we will discuss. I guarantee it's going to be interesting. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us, Jordan, who is producing the show today. My regular producer, Gru, he was he did the morning show, so he's off. Okay, let me ask you this: um, Do you own a suit? I do actually. I have uh, three of them. You have three suits. Yes. Okay. When was the last time you wore one? I think it tells you that I can't even answer that. Okay, question. a long time. A long time. Long time. Okay. I and and and, and don't don't feel bad about that because. That's sort of the, the, the situation. Now, I, I have a whole closet full of, of suits, like, like lawyer clothes and stuff like that, 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 that I wore, you know, back in, back in the day, some of which even still, still, still fit. And a number of years ago, when I was doing TV here on a daily basis, I, I'd wear the suits to work every day. But that, that stopped, I guess I think like 20, 2015 is when I stopped. So for, you know, the last, I don't know, four or five years, I can probably count on, I don't know, two hands, the number of times that I've, I've actually, I mean, worn, worn suits, you know, maybe to church, but I say maybe, um, maybe to weddings, definitely to a couple funerals. Okay. So maybe in five years, maybe, maybe more than, than 10 times, but probably less than 20 times because it's just, you, you don't dress up for things any, anymore. The last suit I purchased was, um, when I got married, that was going, Fran, I've been married, it'll be three years in September, and, you know, I, I, I went out and bought a new suit. I didn't have a black suit, so I went out and bought a black suit, because that's what I was told to buy. But, but that's three years ago, and, and I, I don't know that that's sort of an atypical thing. Now, back in the day when I was practicing law and things like that, you, you'd wear a suit to work every day, and on Fridays, the casual day, you'd wear a sport coat, you know, if you didn't have to be in court. Now, I bring this up because, if you want to buy a suit, you know, good luck, because what you're seeing is that a lot of the, the places where you would traditionally buy, um, quote unquote, fine men's clothes or fine women's clothes, they're, they're going out of business. Men's Warehouse, Joseph A. Banks, Brooks Brothers, Lord and Taylor, Ann Taylor, Neiman Marcus. These are all companies where these are businesses, just the national businesses, where if you were if you were looking to dress up, you know, and you needed to buy a nice a nice suit or something like that, these are the places you'd go. Well, they're they're not there anymore, or at least they're they're on the way out. I mean, some of the local stores. I mean, I used to I used to love Roger Stevens, which was a fine men's clothing store um, in the Fister Hotel. That's you know they they closed a couple years ago, and then there's a couple places in Brookfield that I, I used to go to. Th- those places have all closed now. To tell you the truth, if if I needed to go out and and buy a suit, I I'd, 
I'm not sure where where I would go. I know there's probably some places that are out there, but certainly not as many as there used to be. Our numbers, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I bring this up because there's a story in USA Today today that this is what it says. Store closings, bankruptcy cases pile up for business wear retailers during COVID-19. Are dress clothes gone for good? And, and, I mean, obviously, given the fact that you have lots of office workers who, who haven't been in, I don't know that people were, were quote-unquote, dressing up to go to work in the first place. Now that you have people who have been working remotely, and in some cases are going to be working remotely for the foreseeable future, I mean, are, are dress clothes gone for good? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Are are the traditional things of of men's suits or you know women's you know more classic wear for the office? Now I understand that there's always going to be a market for you, you need a you need a dress for a wedding or something like that. But but as far as the the men's suits that you would wear to the office for for ladies that would wear the the women's suits and things like that, I mean, is this going to go the way of the dinosaur? Are are we at an era where you're just not going to dress up to go anywhere anymore? And, and my answer is maybe. 855-616-1620. We discuss in just a moment. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. All right. Now, somebody did remind me. Yes, I, on my I, – I think the last time I wore a suit to work was – Sometimes, and several months ago, they were taking new photos for the website and stuff. And and I, I think I was the only one. I don't think any of the other people around here wore suits and stuff. But I, I did just because I, that, that that's kind of my self-image and all, right? Well, that's, so, well, that's true. Yeah. I was thinking, yeah, it was just a few months ago, and you and we were like, wow, because <laughs> you never wear a suit. And, right. And it, there's something about a suit, a really good suit that just looks right. sharp, right. looks good. So I mean, I, I I wore that for because somebody said, "Is that on your on your Twitter thing?" And yeah, and that, I, I <laughs> yeah. Did, yes, I did, mm-hmm. and I wore it for the the promo photos. And they they yes. had a photographer that, that came over to our. They were doing an article on my wife and I in December, and and, and so yes, yeah, they took a picture, and so they took a series of pictures, and I wore a suit for that i wore a suit for our, our christmas thing that we did like in january oh, or whatever sure. mm-hmm. but i think i was the only but but again but it's a limited i used to wear a suit on, on a daily basis and i i don't know i don't know that i'm i i don't i'm not sure i can envision ever buying another suit again you know it's I've got a whole closet i really think people the way they dress has changed over the years oh yeah and suits used to be a thing and now it's just for maybe a funeral or a wedding, a wedding. or, or yeah. some real special occasion mm-hmm. sue in cedarburg sue you're on wtmj good afternoon hi i have two um takes on this first of all I think the the suits that men used to wear, I mean, my husband has 20 of them in the closet that he used to wear. And, and, you know, they're going to go, they go to um, rescue mission, and if anyone has an interview and they need to wear a suit, they can, you know, use these. But there's also another thing in the school system. I'm a substitute teacher I used to teach years ago. When you used to dress up as a teacher, right. you know, you look like the teacher. You look like you had authority. And now that's not so much the take. And yeah. when I sub, I still wear my teacher clothes. <laughs> and the kids do, I think, respect you oh. more. Oh, yeah. No, they, it's... You know, they, 
Yeah, no, it's thanks I, for, I no, it's fun. No, important. I get it. Yeah, no, thank, it, it is. I mean, I, I do, I, I do think you are how you look to an extent that that affects how people perceive you. It, it's why when I when I'm emceeing an event or something, when I used to emcee events, not that we have public events anymore, I, I would, you know, I, I guess I would wear suits for for those. But as far as like day to day stuff. Hardly, hardly ever, and and I'm older. I mean, I mean, I I just grew up wearing suits. I would imagine people that you know are in the 30s and 40s. It's like, well, okay, if there's a funeral or something, we'll we'll wear it. Nick in Germantown. Nick, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you, Jeff? Real well, thank you. Okay, what what do you think? I mean, are is formal wear are dress clothes gone for good? So I'm a funeral director. And we don't even wear suits on a regular basis anymore. Unless we're working a funeral, we don't even wear suits. Dress pants and maybe a polo shirt or a button-up is really all we are required to do anymore. Really? Um, (laughs) Well. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, Jeff, if you ever attend a funeral, it's a joke the way some of these people are dressing. They'll, you know... Yeah. The skirt some of the girls wear and those jeans and a t-shirt even and it's just like all right nobody just nobody seems to care anymore. Yeah, I just but, uh, that's my, my mom would haunt me about that. If if I if I showed up at a funeral or or something like that, you know, just in in daily clothes, she'd go, "Jeff, didn't I raise you better than that?" and and you know, <laughs> so and I don't know if it's better yeah. or worse, it's just how I was raised. No, th- that's interesting. I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, I do that that's another thing. It would not occur to me to go to a funeral I, I, I'm wearing a suit and I'm and I'm wearing a tie. But again, I'm I, I understand that I'm sort of of a of an older type of generation. I mean, I just but I don't I don't wear I don't wear a suit to work anymore. I mean, I, I just don't. I'm right now. I'm in I'm in blue jeans and a and kind of a shirt. It's got a collar on it. Jeff in Fox Point. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff, I don't think traditional suits are dead, but they're definitely in a coma <laughs> even before last. Last before the COVID nineteen thing came up last summer, I needed a suit. I went to some stores, and all I could find were these like flashy plaid suits <laughs> that would that look good on Dario Melendez. <laughs> yeah, but right. if I wore them. I would look closer to Herb Tarlick on WKRP. Well, well that, that's it. Yeah, right. Some of the, I mean, thanks, thanks for the call, Jeff. Yeah, that's, that's, of course, the, the reference to the show. I, Herb Tarlick was the salesperson on, on WKRP. The, I mean, one of the things I've always done is I've always, I've, I've bought suits that are the traditional kind of men's suits that are kind of timeless and, and things like that. And so, I, I mean, I've, I've had suits for, I mean, I got a whole closet full of suits as well. I don't know if there's 20, but I probably have close to 15 and, and I still, I still fit in 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 most of them. Matter of fact, I've lost some weight, so some of them probably have to be taken in. But I just don't have the occasion to wear those anymore. Jeff, my husband is in the dry cleaning industry, and and they're really taking a hit. He says he doesn't see business coming back as more people work from home. Yeah, I mean, I think you know that's that's the occasion. The the idea that you know you're you're going to wear the suits that have to be cleaned and pressed, or or the ladies that have to wear you know the the women's suits or the the dresses and stuff that's just that's just not where we're at anymore uh jeff we used to go to the airport to pick people up well you know it's interesting and i I know you might find this hard to believe but i'm old enough to remember when people actually even dressed up to go on airplanes i mean it, it just now i don't do that i haven't done that in ages but you know people would dress up to go on on airplanes there was some I don't know, cachet or something about travel. I I just bring this up because, again, there's all sorts of casualties of COVID. I I think to the extent that the the dress, the dress clothes 
were taking a hit before, and, and believe me, they, they were as we got more casual. I, I don't. I don't know where these retailers are coming from. You know, I mean, I don't know where how they're staying in business. And what you're seeing is a lot of them aren't staying in business as as times change. For me, again, it's it's my mom, my late mom, in in, in the back of my head going, Jeff, you know, you're, you're going to church. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny how those voices never leave you. It, it, it isn't. <laughs> it, it, it it doesn't matter. Fifty, sixty years. It doesn't matter. Mom She's is still, still in there. Mom is still yeah. there saying. Come on, you know you don't want to look like a ragamuffin. Go, you know, go, 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 go show up. It's church. You can put on a tie for one morning, and so you know, once a week you can put on a tie. Yes, I am a pirate. Two hundred years too late. The cannons don't thunder. There's nothing to plunder. I'm an over forty victim of fate. Driving to That is one of my my very very favorite songs. Maybe maybe my maybe my ultimate favorite song is Jimmy Buffett. It's called "A Pirate Looks at 40. But there, there's a line in there a little bit later on the the song, and it's written about a guy that he knew in Key West who just couldn't quite find his occupation in in the 20th century. And 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 there's a line in there, and it says, "My." It's, it's mother, mother ocean. After all these years, I found my occupational hazard being is that my occupation just isn't around. And, and I've always, I've always kind of loved that that line. And I was thinking about that today when I came across the, this story. The headline in the, the story is, "I'm too old to find a new career." More than half of Americans fear job losses. Let me read you the first couple paragraphs of the story. Denise Tyndall has spent nearly three decades driving children to school, but this fall will be very difficult. Tyndall, 58, was a school bus driver with a private contractor in Memphis, Tennessee, where fall classes are set to begin online. When school shuttered in April, she filed for unemployment, but she hasn't gotten a dime yet. She says, I'm barely making it, etc., etc. If it wasn't for my family, I'd be homeless. And then she says she's concerned about the fu- what the future holds since she's not going to be able to return to work for the foreseeable future. She says, I'm too old to find a new career. I'm about to give anything uh, to give up. I don't have anything saved for retirement. My bank account is negative for the, the first time. And th- the story goes on to talk about just just more and more Americans, particularly people who have have been in careers for, for decades, not necessarily people in their 20s and 30s, but who ha- have now been part of the, the millions of Americans who, with the rise of this pandemic, ha- have ended up losing their jobs. And what, what, what they're saying is, hey, we don't know if our jobs are coming back, and, and we don't know what we're going to be doing, you know, moving forward. And it's kind of like, okay, at the age of 58, I, I'm really not trained to drive for Amazon Prime or, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm really not, you know, trained to be an Uber driver, even though Uber's, you know, taking a hit now. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How, how concerned should people be about this? Not because I, I understand right now we're, we're talking about the, the argument is how long do you continue the uh, the $600 a week federal supplement to unemployment benefits and things like that. It's expired. We need to reinstate that. But the, see, the bottom line of wh- whether something like that gets reinstated or whether we send out an extra round of $1,200 stimulus checks, though, those are short term 
fixes to help people get over the hump that is COVID-19. The larger thing that's out there on the horizon is whether or not this pandemic has has done away with jobs and, and whether your job or other jobs just flat out aren't aren't coming back. You know, in that last segment, we talked about, you know, changes in in the way people dress when they go to work and things like that. And I had the text from the lady whose husband runs a dry cleaner. And she's like, hey, you know, people, you know, the, the dry cleaning business is taking a hit because people aren't using that a, as well. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. How worried are you about a job loss or a job loss for your kids, and the fact that, that the jobs just aren't going to come back. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line we discuss in a moment. So, very glad to have you with us. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There's a new Harris poll out, and it says that about 54% of Americans, and again, you take these polls with a grain of salt, but more than half of Americans, 54%, fear they may lose their job due to the coronavirus outbreak. 54% of people are feeling insecure. And then, of course, for the people, particularly older people who are losing their jobs, um, you know, the, the question is, how are you going to replace this? And it, it's not just our jobs going away. It's that our entire careers and industry is going to go away. Uh, here's a text. Jeff, I really worry about jobs for my two children. Currently, I've been at my job for 17 years. I need to survive three more years to get some form of pension. When I was in the, my 20s, I would have never thought about my current job being on the way out. Now I feel blessed every year that I am here. I, I think, you know, there there is... You know, this dynamic about this, and, it, and it's been going on in this country for a while, but it's certainly accelerated. I mean, I, I, I tell this story all the time. When, when I got out of high school in the 70s, or in Milwaukee, there was this huge amount, there was this huge amount of manufacturing that, that was there. You, you still had three local breweries. You had Schlitz, you had Pabst, you had Miller. You had A.O. Smith. You had Allen Bradley, subsequently Rockwell. You had Briggs and Stratton. You had, you had all these different, and that, that's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm sure there's a lot of other places that I'm escaping me right now. But the bottom line was, with a high school degree and a decent work ethic, you could go, you could get a, a job at a factory that was going to provide you, number one, job security, and number two, the ability to make a decent middle-class wage. Now, you're not going to buy a Learjet on that, but, you know, you could you could buy a house, you could raise a family, you could go up north and rent a cottage to go fishing for a week in the summer. You, you had those jobs and you had those abilities. Th- that is, that's disappeared. And now what you're seeing is that a, a lot of the other occupations that – kind of people drifted into after the manufacturing stuff went away, that they're starting to go away as well. Gianni and Montello, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, interesting topic, Jeff. Very timely. Hey, listen, um, I have to admit that um, I am not uh, concerned about uh, my future because I've never earned more than $10 an hour in my life. So I can get a job at Walmart or uh, go back to substitute teaching or various and sundry other jobs. But um, I, I am a, I, the last 16 years, I've been a caregiver for my parents around the clock, uh, 24-7. So I, I think that, um, you know, uh, 
I think as Americans, we are doing very, very well compared to the rest of the world. You look at how, how people live in Africa and India and in Southeast Asia. Um, our, our lifestyle here in America is, 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 is quite uh, luxurious compared to. Well, well yeah, but I, but I, yeah I, I'm with you, but I don't want that to be the comparison. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I guess I, I hope we don't get to a point where we're judging our standard of living and saying, well, we're, we're better than, I don't know, some, some place in, in, in Africa or something like that. I, right. I, but I, we are there, though, Jeff. We are there. I mean, you know, uh, there, there are uh, the standard of living. I mean, China, you know, the 21st century is China's, uh, China's century, and uh, we'll just have to accept lower wages and uh, fewer manufacturing jobs. Well, thanks for calling. I mean, I, I guess, it, but it's not just, of course, the manufacturing jobs. It's all the other jobs that people have de- depended on. And the story I was talking about, it's, it's the gal who's been a school bus driver for 30 years. Well, okay, school's not in session in wherever she is in Tennessee, Memphis. Tennessee schools not in session so you don't need a school bus driver and you don't know when you don't know what's going to do with with that occupation and again it's I I understand and I don't disagree you people have to figure out a way people people figure have to figure out a way to to adapt and to deal with this stuff just like you know we had to figure out a way to how to deal with and adapt to the fact that manufacturing got shifted overseas and things like that but I, I do think it's it's a huge issue now that you have that you have people who, if we were having this conversation a year ago, if we were sitting in August of 2019 having this conversation, and I'm doing my show like I'm supposed to be doing from the State Fair, and I was saying, okay, how worried are you about you know losing your job and your career going away, that occupation just not being around? My guess is, I don't know, if I, if I took 100 calls, maybe we'd have 15 people who, who said, yeah, I'm worried my occupation's going to go away. Now what you're seeing is these polls showing 50%, 54% of people are, are have that, that concern. And that's, um, you know, that's, that's a huge factor that I, I think, you know, has to be dealt with. And I think it's one of the things that's contributing to a lot of the angst and the uncertainty and the frustration that, that people are experiencing. Taylor in River Hills. Hi, Taylor. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Thanks for taking my sure. call. Um, for eight years, I ran and owned a cookie business in the area, and due to COVID and some other things, the, the business just, you know, the bakery couldn't stay open because right. we couldn't employ people, and we people weren't going out to right. come and buy, and I certainly wasn't going to be delivering to households and, and right. things like that. And now I'm, you know, in the gig employment i'm doing doordash and i'm i'm making excellent excellent money and i get to drive around and have food in the car and listen to you guys all day long and <laughs> so, I, I mean i'm trying so you've I'm been able to adapt to out if this, i've been able to adapt but i'm i'm trying i'm trying to figure out how long this is going to last well, because I, if this goes back to the norm then this job is gone yeah, it's I tell and I I think that's a that's a fair thing. I mean, you've been able to adapt. I I don't I don't know what the answer is. Now, here's a text, Jeff. I'm very worried. The manufacturing company I work for mainly supplies bars and restaurants. We've been so strong until the pandemic, and now our sales are cut by sixty percent. When will this come back? And I, I think that's a fair question. Will it come back? 
and and what's it going to look like moving forward? Well, it's, I mean, so what do you have to have happen? First of all, you have to have people feel comfortable going out and, and going into bars and restaurants. And and I'm afraid that we're we're a ways away from that. And I don't mean by that I mean think about how it it was. Think about St. Patrick's Day in 2019, where you've got you know 300 people crammed into an Irish bar that maybe you know handles 200 people. You know what I'm talking about? You know that where everybody's just kind of like you're you're, you're part of these large groups. I don't know when that's coming back. I, and you know if ever, I, I think it will, but. You know, I don't know what that's going to look like and when. So, first of all, you need the people to feel comfortable coming back. Then you need there to be enough bars and restaurants that are around to service all those people. And one of the things that we're seeing is that you've, you've got, unfortunately, you've got bars and restaurants who closed because of government orders or lack of business or whatever, and, and they're not reopening. I sent out a tweet earlier this week. One of my very favorite places to go to breakfast was a place out in Mequon called the Wooden Goose. I loved it. Knew the owners, great family, great food. I've been going there for, well, they've been open for 30 years. I've been going there probably for 30 years. They, they're, they're, they're out of business now. They, they just, they could not, they did, weren't equipped. They didn't have a place where you could do outdoor seating. They, they just, they, they could not sustain the business model. And, and so they, they've closed. And that's just one of hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of stories. So you, you do wonder, you know, what the world is going to look like and, and whether for a lot of people, you know, the, the big, Again, to borrow the song line, the occupational hazard is that the occupation just isn't going to be around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Well, um, I, I don't know how the wheels of justice are going to turn in this case, but at least it's a... It's a good first step. If you will remember back the night of one of the first couple nights of the the Madison riots. Oh, I know we're not supposed to say that, but they were Madison riots. You know, you had the out of control protesters um, and and you had the situation. This was June 24th, where you had State Senator Tim Carpenter, who had stopped and was taking a video of people who were. Uh, rioting, looting, getting ready to tear down statues, oh, that, that all, that thing. And apparently, like the rioters had said, don't take our pictures. And so he's out there with his camera. And so they do what anarchists decide to do. Well, we told him not to take our pictures. They decide to, to turn on him, attack him, and beat the heck out of of him. So what, what happens is they, there were about 10 people that assaulted Senator Carpenter and they have, they haven't been able to identify any of the people except for two women. And I mean, the, one is a 26 year old woman named Samantha Hamer, allegedly, and the other is a 33 year old woman named Corita O'Reilly, um, both of whom are from the Madison area. Now, this gets all sorts of added attention, of course, because um, O'Reilly is a physical therapist, and uh, Hamer was most recently a social worker for the Mount Horeb School District. You know, she supposedly worked with troubled kids who had difficulty with anger management. Okay, so what the evidence against them is that they're the two that are seen approaching Senator Carpenter. So he's there standing with with the phone. And then what happens is the two of them kind of bum rush him. And and then he ends up going down and about 10 people just just kick on him. But those are the only two that have been identified. Their defense and, and, and Senator Carpenter says, 
I can't tell you who who hit me. I mean, I'm I, I'm looking at these two coming at me, and then next thing I know, boom, I'm down, and there's all these people that are, that are kicking on me. So the defense, and I say this in air quotation marks, the defense of these two women is, well, he he can't positively say that they hit him. We know we've kept because he doesn't know who hit him because the whole mob descended on him. But we know that these two were, again, that they were leading the the bum rush towards him. So their defense is, well, you you can't prove that that they that they were the ones that were assaulted. So there was a a probable cause hearing. And and thankfully, the Madison judge said, okay, I'm going to there's enough probable cause here to believe that these two were at least, you know, they aided and abetted the assault because they're the only ones we have. Now, they, of course, are cowards and aren't going to come forward and acknowledge whether they did this or or not. And they're not going to identify other people who were involved in, in beating this guy, uh, beating Senator Carpenter. But at least for the moment that the case has been continued. But their defense appears to be, yes, well, we, we rushed him and, and we were the first ones. And then the camera kind of goes blank after we got there. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we were involved in the assault. I, I'm hoping that defense doesn't work. It is, of course, Madison. So who knows? I want to revisit something we, we talked about earlier this week on, on the show, because I, I do find it intriguing. And it, it ties in with the whole notion that I say a lot of times about just because you have a right to do something doesn't mean that it is the right thing to do. And as I explained even in the one in the 12 o'clock hour of the program today i i don't i'm somebody that doesn't believe like in a one size fits all approach for example to like a statewide mask order i I think you know if if you need to have this because I, i believe the issues that you face in milwaukee are different than the issue you might face in Winnicani or, or, or whatever. But at the same time, I, I think people need to be smart, and we shouldn't need government to tell us whether to do the right thing or not. Now, having said that, today, Jordan, do you know what happens today? you know what's going on in South Dakota today? No, no, well, I don't know about that. No, no, no. Today is the start of the Sturgis Bike Rally. Now, every year for the last 80 years, you have had motorcycle enthusiasts, particularly Harley riders, from all across the world who have converged on the small town of Sturgis, like population 6,000, in the Black Hills of South Dakota. And, and they come from all over. Now, obviously, you're, you're not going to have bike riders coming from all over the world now because we live in this pandemic thing. Typically... That the bike rally draws in the neighborhood of 500,000 people. And I've never been there myself. I have several friends, including some buddies who work for Harley, who who have been. But you have people who come from all over the world, and it's part of this whole experience. Like you you ride from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to Sturgis, South Dakota. And Sturgis is in the Black Hills, and then you you camp out, you descend on the town, etc., etc. All right. That rally is going to go ahead and go on. A number of the people in the Sturgis community said, this is nuts. We, we can't have all these people coming here. Um, it's going to be a problem. The people in Sioux Falls, and Sioux Falls is, 
I don't know what, uh, maybe 300 miles from the Black Hills. But Sioux Falls is the last like metropolitan area you hit before you you, you get out on the freeway and you ride to the Black Hills. The, the mayor of Sioux Falls is very concerned because lots of people stop there if you're coming from the east or you're coming from from the south. So they're concerned that you have people coming. A lot of people in Sturgis were saying, look, the, the, given this pandemic that's going on, this isn't a good year to have this. But what ended up happening is it's going to occur anyways because this brings a ton of money into the community. I mean, it's it's like it's like fireworks stands that make all their money in the two weeks before the Fourth of July and the right before New Year's. Well, okay, that for Sturgis, all these businesses make all their money in the the ten days or the two weeks surrounding the bike rally. And so the business interests ended up winning out, so they're going to go ahead with this rally. You've got 250,000 people. That's what they estimate. Now, who knows? Maybe it'll be 150, maybe it'll be 300,000. But this will be the largest public event, I I think, in the United States since the, the pandemic. And, you know, one of the ongoing debates is, even though the rally is going to occur, and even though people, you know, even though the bars and stuff are going to be open for business, and the campgrounds are going to be open for business, even though you're legally allowed to do it, even though you have a right to do it, is it the right thing to do? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, perhaps it's easy for me to say, because I'm not a motorcycle rider, and I, I've never been to the Sturgis event, and I know some people go religiously and, and just wait all year for it to occur. I guess my point is, if I were a rider, and even if I loved Sturgis, I don't think this is the year that I would choose to go. All right, do you think it is responsible, or do you think it's just flat-out nuts for people to be descending on this small town in the Black Hills of South Dakota for the next week or 10 days. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Big story in the New York Times. Enormous biker rally defies public opposition. All right. Is it responsible for people to go? Would you go if you were presented the opportunity? 855-616-1620. Do you know people who are going? We discuss in a moment. To give you an idea of how big the the Sturgis bike rally is, that the South Dakota officials estimate that that this rally held yearly generates about eight hundred million dollars in revenue for the community, for the area, for the state. Eight hundred million dollars in revenue and my producer jordan gives some perspective the largest city in south dakota is sioux falls which has a little bit under two hundred thousand people this is going to be an off year um and they estimate that there's going to be two hundred fifty thousand people who come and and normally there's about you know double that but anyhow they're going ahead they're holding the rally today is the first day is it responsible to do this this will be the largest mass gathering since the coronavirus pandemic. Bob in Waukesha. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Is this responsible? You know, I don't want to be judgmental, and I'm a motorcyclist, and I'm retired from Harley-Davidson, and I rode out to the Black Hills with Tommy Thompson several years ago, and I've been to both uh, Sturgis and Daytona. Mm-hmm. 
and I know this is dollar driven, or I'm presuming it's sure. dollar driven. I, I don't, I, 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 I don't think it is responsible, Jeff. Well, I mean, the bikers, would, people would say, well, it's, it's my choice, and there's going to be camping, and a lot of this stuff is outside. But, of course, at the same time, you know, a lot of the stuff, people are going to be piled in. They're going to be in those bars shoulder to shoulder with each other. You know that's yeah. what's going to happen. A- a- absolutely. And, and you know, uh, the, the, the bikers want to decide, and uh, they also uh, think those who ride should decide on helmets, and I disagree with that, so... I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. No, no, thanks. Well, no, I mean, I think that it, I think, look, again, it, it's easy for me to say because, as I say, I'm, I'm not a motorcyclist and I've, I've never been there, although I do know, like I say, a lot of people that, that have gone to this and they tell me everybody should go once just to kind of see the experience. And, and that might very well be. I'm not sure it's on my bucket list or not. If my wife is listening, but, but, it, but it, at least you should, everybody should go once. I'm just saying, I don't think this would be the year that I, I would go. Um, here's a text, Jeff. It's not responsible. Uh, people have the freedom to do what they want. Um, unfortunately, they might get sick and hurt themselves or hurt an innocent person with this. Um, Jeff, they're they're adults. Yeah, I mean, I I understand they 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 are adults. But again, the caveat to this is. Just because you have a right to do something doesn't mean it's the right thing to do. Jeff, I think this is irresponsible. I have a friend who lives just outside of Sturgis. I spoke to him last night. Basically, Sturgis is one week of heavy drinking and packed parties and a lot of irresponsible behavior. My friend said the residents out there wish people would just stay away for this year. Yeah, that that was it. The, the, the people who live in the area, uh, they wanted this to be canceled. Uh, but the problem was the, the state wasn't on board with that. County officials said they didn't know how to do it. And uh, to the point that Bob was making, it's it's a huge revenue generator. Like I say, if you're in business out there, you as a you know, you're, you're not getting much business for most of the year. You make your entire yearly nut on on the two weeks around around Sturgis, and so it would have been a huge cost. I'm just saying, I, I think. Regardless of, of how you feel about whether you think the the pandemic is overstated or understated or whatever, I, I guess there's just things that sometimes I think people need to kind of take a step back and say, okay, is it is it smart to go to go do this? I mean, I, I I've told this stuff that I love to do. I love to go to Key West. My wife and I were talking last night. We typically go to Key West in February. I'm not sure this year because I, I don't know what that's going to look like. I don't have to make a decision now. But I, again, if if travel isn't wise or not advised or unsafe or the experience isn't going to be the, the same because you're not going to be allowed to, to go into like the bars and the restaurants and listen to the music and do all the things you like to do. Well, well maybe I'll, I'll pass until I can. Same thing true with me. I, I go to, I typically go to Las Vegas every October. Not, not going to do this this year because I go to see touring shows and those perf- artists aren't going to be performing and things like that. It's, it's, I'm waiting for whatever that new normal uh, or, or hopefully a return to normal. Would I be driving halfway across the country to go and pack myself into a, a 7,000 person community and join a quarter million of my closest friends in an era of the pandemic? You know, heck no. I just, it's not, it's not going to be it. Am I saying that they should have barred people or the government should have stopped people from doing it? No, I'm not arguing that. I, I'm just saying it doesn't seem to me like that it's the smartest choice that you can make. This is Jeff Wagner. 
Jeff, the number of COVID cases that comes out of Sturgis could be a good indicator if COVID is as bad as it is made out to be. I, I do think that that's going to be interesting. This is going to be the the largest mass gathering since the pandemic concerns. So I, I think we get to see what happens. Jeff, please stop trying to tell people how to live their lives. It's still a free country. I hope it stays that way. I have no problem with it being a free country. But at the same time, I don't know. When my friend Melissa says, Jeff, hold my beer and watch this. If I think it's going to be a really, really bad idea, at the risk of telling Melissa how to live her life, I'm going to say, don't do that, Melissa. Don't jump off that cliff. Or, or no, I, I don't think, I, I'm willing to hold your beer, dear, but I don't think it's a good idea to go up on the roof and jump into that swimming pool off the roof. I, you know, and if, if that's telling people how to live their lives, I, I plead guilty to it, but uh, hold my beer and watch this. I think you can make an argument that, Okay, in the time of a pandemic, driving to a community that of 7,000, and you're going to be one of a quarter million piling in there, that is, I think, the equivalent of hold my beer and watch this. Well, I also think, <laughs> you're talking about Sturgis, correct? Because yeah. I just walked in the room. Right. Uh, but Don't jump off. No, Melissa, I won't hold your beer. Don't jump off the roof into that swimming pool. It's a bad idea, and I apologize for telling you how to live your life. Jeez, Jeff, <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, I, mean, I was also thinking about the demographic of Sturgis as well. A lot of people, you know, middle-aged, retired, and that's, you know, you're, you're in a higher risk for COVID-19, um, just, you know, yeah. immunity-wise when you get older. So that, that would be, you know, a precautionary thing that I'd be like e- i'd pass e- this year that's all i'm saying yeah just I- on this year i mean go out on the roads i don't care yeah. about that but yeah i mean gathering with that many people i mean that's a that is a little risky uh here's a text jeff my good friend is leaving for sturgis tomorrow at 4 a.m he rented bikes to take out to ride he has underlying health concerns i'm seriously worried about him um yeah um okay well that's that's the uh that, that, I don't know what to say. Hey, I'm going to send out a tweet on this. Um it's you for the longest time we we we've heard people especially over the last couple months talking about how we want to defund the police, we want to abolish the police, the world would be a better place if we didn't have police. To which my response is what are you smoking? I mean I mean seriously. But there's a story in all places in the New York Times which has really been for for weeks and weeks, it has been an apologist, I believe, part of the apologists that are in the mainstream media for the the, the violent aspects of the protest movement. And, and finally, it's apparently gotten so bad that even the New York Times has to write about it. You know, in Seattle, where for a period of X number of weeks, you had essentially lawlessness. You, you had protesters slash anarchists slash whatever taking over the, this nine block area of the city well i mean here's the headline abolish the police those who survived the chaos in seattle aren't so sure what is it like when a city abandons a neighborhood and the police vanish business owners describe a harrowing experience of calling for help and being left all alone yeah, it's a great object lesson in what happens with, hey, for all you people out there, you anarchists, you protesters, whatever, be careful what you wish for because you might get it. I'll send out a, I'll, I'll send out a tweet with a link to this story. Um, if, if you were a business owner, even a self-described progressive slash liberal business owner in Seattle, and you were stuck in with your business in this like nine block area, um, it was not a pretty sight. 
gee, maybe there's an object lesson in that for everybody. And hopefully this experience, what's going on in Portland, what's going on in Seattle, isn't going to be the ghost of Christmas future for places like Milwaukee. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. So glad to have you with us. Hey, the 2020 Wisconsin State Fair may be canceled, but that doesn't mean we can't commemorate what might have been. Tune into Wisconsin's Morning News as they relive the sights and sounds that make the State Fair what it is. You'll also have a chance to win tickets for next year's event. It's the Wisconsin State Fair Necessities from WTMJ. Okay, I've, uh, we haven't done this for a while. This is a Friday afternoon feature, and um, I've been off for the last couple Fridays and I try to move through some of my vacation. It's one of the interesting things that the folks at Good Karma are kind enough to give me some vacation days. And unfortunately, living in a coronavirus world, places that I used to like to go or would go on vacation, I can't go there anymore. If I can go there, I'd have to quarantine for two weeks, etc. So I've been trying to work through the vacation schedule by taking a couple of extra long weekends. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to do that for the next couple of weeks. But so that means we haven't had a pop culture corner. If if you're new to this, we do this, this segment of the program every Friday. We put aside the heavy lifting, and Lord knows there's a lot of heavy lifting to be done over the course of the last several months, and we try to have a little bit of fun. Um, I call the segment Pop Culture Corner. Sometimes we talk about books, sometimes food, sometimes movies, sometimes sports. It, it just kind of depends on what is tickling my fancy in a particular day or week, and, and hopefully you will find it of interest as well. One of the things that I have been turning to more and more over the course of the last several months to kind of get me through things, especially since, um, you know, we there, I understand sports are coming back, but for the longest time there, there weren't sports to watch on, on, on television. And one of the things that I, I've been finding myself turning to more and more is is my music. I've been I've been getting reacquainted with my, my music library, and I've actually been trying to, you know, listen to stuff that otherwise I it's there, but I haven't heard it in a while, so I've been trying to, like, recreate that. And uh, it's not unusual for me to sit down in the evenings and have a book or something and a favorite, my, one of my favorite adult beverages, and uh, again, you know, set up the the Sonos or whatever the system is, and and just you know listen to music, and so that's been one of the things that's been getting me through this. One of the other things that I know is going on as as, as a result of us not being able to, I don't know, go to, get on airplanes and and go to places. I, I know more and more people have been. I, I don't know, taking what I'm going to describe as staycations or, or the day trips and, and the things like that. So maybe it's, all right, you know, we can't drive. We're not going to be able to fly to Florida and go to Disney World. But what we can do is, all right, let, let's let's take a day and let's drive up to this state park or, you know, let's go visit friends who, who live in Green Bay. And, and what that typically means is you're getting in a car and you're driving. Well, all right, when you're in that car and you're driving, you can talk to each other. That's one of the ways you spread, spend time. But if you're like me, in addition to talking to the people that are in the car with you, you're listening to tunes. You, you've you, you've got the you've got maybe the windows open. You maybe the the top is open. If you've got a convertible, maybe the top's down, and 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 you are listening to tunes. All right, 
I want to do a music-related segment for Pop Culture Corner today. I call it Road Trip Radio. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us say you are taking, you're on one of your staycations, you're taking a day trip, and you're, you're driving, I don't know, you're driving to Madison, you're driving to Green Bay, you're driving out to Eau Claire. Maybe that wouldn't necessarily be the, the day trip. But, you know, what you're going to be doing is you're going to be in the car, you're going to be listening to tunes, you get to pick the artist, you get to pick, all right, here's, I've got my iPod or I'm tuned in. You know, this this is the performer that I want to hear over the course of the next couple hours that I'm in the car. I want to listen to a bunch of his, her, this particular band's. I, I want to listen to a couple of their albums. All right, what is your artist of choice if you're on... If you're looking for road trip radio, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, who do you want to listen to in the car that you're not going to get tired of? What artist, what band, what performer? Um, as I always advise during these segments, I encourage you to try to call quickly because what happens is our phone lines tend to jam up. And in addition to that, uh, go with your first instinct. Sometimes we do this for fun, and sometimes people tend to overthink it. Gee, if I say Weird Al Yankovic, will will that, even though that's the first name that came to mind, will people think that's weird? Well, yeah, people might think it's weird, but it doesn't matter. This is what it's all about. Pop Culture Corner. All right, Road Trip Radio, the artist, the performer that you want to listen to when you're in the car taking that drive. 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. 855-616-1620. We're talking road trip radio. You're in the car for a couple hours, and you've got the choice. Okay, this is my chance to listen to somebody's, some artist's collection. I can listen to a couple albums or CDs all, all at once. Who Who is that performer going to be? Omar in Milwaukee, you're first. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you doing, sir? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Okay, who, who are you going to be listening to? I, I will listen to my group will be the police. Ah, every breath you take. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was my one of my first groups that I started listening to, uh, growing back in Puerto Rico, and like I just fall in love with that group, and uh, that's, yeah, never well, get tired. I see, I see. no, yeah, no, yeah, never, me- never. Message in a bottle. I know. See, I I know a little bit of the police there. You know, every yeah. breath you take, synchronicity, right. and yeah, right. Every little that's thing she broken. does is magic, right? I yeah. okay. I, I love it. Thanks for calling. I, I little. Perhaps a little bit soft for me, but I but I I get it. You got gotta love the police. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to Carrie in West Bend. Hi Carrie, you're in WTMJ. Hi Jeff. I'm calling in to say I'd be listening to ZZ Top or Huey Lewis and the News on my road trip. Oh, well let's start let's start with ZZ Tops. They they've been together for like fifty years, same three guys, same three chords, but it's still just an incredible incredible show. It is, yeah. I, yeah, it's just um, like sharp dressed man and um, all all that stuff. You you just you just gotta love it. No, thanks for calling. Works. I like Huey Lewis too. As a matter of fact, I was um, matter of fact, I was I was listening to some Huey Lewis the other day as I was getting ready for the show. Okay, uh, let's talk to. Let's see, we've got uh, Greg. Greg, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. 
It's uh, got to be hands down the Almond Brothers. Great oh. road trip music. Oh yeah, what's your favorite? What's your favorite Almond Brothers song? Oh gosh, there's so many to pick from. I love State Sparrow Blues. Um, I love that long instrumental Jessica. Yeah. Uh, in memory of Elizabeth Whipping Post. I mean, where, yeah. where do we begin? Yeah, I'm 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 with you. And I think, thanks for uh, it. Just I mean, the Allman Brothers Band, just outstanding. No, thanks thanks for guys. Midnight Rider would be one of the ones that I loved. Um, I, I tell you, in the same vein as as the Allman Brothers, um, I I'm just. Uh, Leonard Skinner. I'm just, I'm just a huge fan of, of Leonard Skinner, the original incarnation, you know, and of course, you, you had the, the band that was just kind of largely broken up by that tragic plane crash in the late seventies. But, you know, Skinner or, or the Allman Brothers can't go wrong with either one of that. Okay. Let's talk to, let's see, Cheryl. Uh, Cheryl, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. My pick is Neil Young. Okay, tell me why. Do you know Harvest Moon? I do. I could play that song over and over and over. Okay. He's, just, he's got such a different sound to his voice. Yes, he he has. I mean, he has a different sound to his voice. Um, I, I like a lot of I like a lot of his stuff. Like, uh, what what is it? Is it after the after the Gold Rush? Is that the is that the album I'm thinking of? No, I I'm thanks. For, I mean, I I first found. I mean, I I got turned on to Neil Young back when it was part of like Crosby, Stills, Nash and, and Young, and and he's he's very political. Um, but even having said that, I think he does a uh, a lot of. Uh, I, I think he does a lot of good stuff. Okay, let's talk to, um, let's see, Jim in Brookfield. Jim, you're on WTMJ. How are you doing? Uh, Steve Miller Band, for sure. Fly Like an Eagle, The Joker, all that stuff, huh? Abracadabra. I played with Steve in 1961 at the University of Wisconsin. Really? Wow. And wow. The band was the band was called the Ascots, and he formed the Ardells right after that, which went into the Steve Miller band. But uh, you know, he's on most of Paul McCartney's records, either playing guitar or backup singing. Really? Now, he, okay, I, I know he he was at UW Madison, but but he really found fame out in San Francisco, right? He, he went out to the West Coast, right? Correct. Okay. Right after he uh, left the University of Wisconsin. He went to Chicago. We played in different bands in Chicago, and uh, then he, Boz Skaggs was in the band, and right. Boz Skaggs went to San Francisco and told Steve, you got to come out here. I think it was the Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane were out there, and he right. said, this is the place to be. That's where he made it famous. Outstanding. Now, did you continue with your career in music, or did you go get a day job? Uh, well, I uh, continued for about six years and then realized that uh, I needed to get a day job, which I went to dental school and became a dentist. <laughs> oh, what a, what a very cool story. It's a, I played with Steve Miller, and then I, I became a dentist. There's probably not too many people who have that career arc, I would guess. For sure. No, thanks, thanks for going. What a great story. I, I love it. Uh, yeah, Steve Miller, and you know, fly like an eagle, and just, um, and, and again, a, a Madison guy who who found incredible success on the you know on the West Coast. It, it's it's like it's like it, it, Creedence Clearwater Revival that you you think of as being this like 
this this okay that like from the south and the, this like kind of swampy music and stuff like that. Well, no, they 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 were based out of they were based out of California too. They, that that was kind of a San Francisco sort of band as well, but certainly different than like the Grateful Dead and that. Uh, Tom in Watertown. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. I, I just went for a short drive this morning, and I'll tell you the farmhouses and the goddamn silos and the corn growing and the soybeans. And the music that I like is the Doors. Oh, okay. Um, uh, don't you love her madly? Uh, well, um, yeah. L.A. Woman would be one of my favorite ones Woman. too. Yeah, I, it's no thanks. To, yeah. I, you know, it's it's interesting. I just, um, I just there was a. It was on one of these those odd cable channels, like Reels or something like that, and they were doing a night where there was like all these stories about the Doors, and I, I got I got drawn in, I got sucked in, and, and you know the tragic end of Jim Morrison and stuff, and what what an interesting kind of dysfunctional band it was. But you you forget all the different songs they had. Their their first hit song was "Light My Fire." And then they kind of, you know, went from light my fire to a lot of like, like darker sort of stuff and things like that. But just in- incredibly talented. Let's talk to uh, James on the South Side. James, you're on WTMJ. How you doing, Jeff? Good, James. What do you think? I think it, it would be uh, two bands. Uh, it would be Chicago with the earlier music, and it would be the Beach Boys. Right now, uh, you're still in summer, you know, and. Oh. Older, different type of music and stuff of that nature. I, I think we think. I mean, the Beach Boys. You, you. Can, I mean, I like Chicago, but I really I, the the Beach Boys. You're right. The Beach Boys to me would be great road trip music. I mean, and I mean, look, and I understand in some respects it's all the same kind of song, but 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 at the same time, you could play that song over and you could you could play Beach Boys tunes all the way from Milwaukee to Eau Claire. Lisa in Juno. Lisa, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. I'm going to go way outside the box for you because I like to listen to local musicians. Uh-huh. And Miles Wangren is a local musician out in North Lake, Wisconsin, and he's got a CD called Wasting Time and Wasting It Well. He and his wife, Allie, sing on it. It's like listening to Johnny Cash and his wife, June. They are really? up-and-coming, amazing, talented artists. Yes. Okay, so what's, what's the performer's name? I've never heard of him, obviously. What's his name? Yes. His name is Miles. Okay. M-Y-L-E-S. Okay. And his last name is Wangren. Miles Wengren. Miles. The name you're going to hear very soon, I'm certain. Okay. Well, I I appreciate the plug, Lisa, and I will check that out because I am always, and and this is one of the things I've been trying to do moving forward is I'm 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 trying to expand my musical horizons, and I, I'm always looking for new upcoming performers. Um, okay, let me. I, I got to get out. I'm kind of running a little bit late, but let's see. Um, let's see. Jimi Hendrix. Uh, that would certainly be one. A lot of people are saying, you know, Bob Seeger, uh, Led Zeppelin, um, dot, 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 dot. Let's see, uh, Jackson Brown. Jackson Brown's got a lot of great music too. A little bit softer, but yeah, there's, I mean, like running on empty, can't go wrong with that. Uh, Jeff, I would pick the Eagles. Um, notably the compilation album, Hell Freezes Over. A lot of great stuff on the, uh, Eagles. Jeff, I'm with you about Leonard Skinner. Call Me the Breeze. Um, absolutely. A lot of people saying Bob Seeger. Bob Seeger would be another one of those perfect Perfect tunes for the the road. You, you fire it up. You start with one of their first couple song albums like Live Bullet, and you take it all the way through their career. 
that would be um, a tremendous one as well. But I wish I had a little bit more time. A lot of people saying the Eagles here. Uh, a lot of we're hearing from country fans. A lot of people saying uh, Garth Brooks. Yeah, Garth Brooks would be a good one as well. So a lot of different performers. Willie Nelson. Yeah, I, I could see Willie Nelson. And certainly he's got an incredible repertoire. A lot of great songs that are there. Uh, Jeff, I think the Killers would be tremendous. Um, yeah, a lot of great stuff. All right. Bottom line is I, I just wanted to inspire you to think about that. We're, we're trying to find different things. We're forced to find some different things. So I don't know. Just kind of think about that music you love. Imagine yourself sitting back. You're driving for 90 minutes or two hours. Who's the artist you want to listen to? All right. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News. I've got a clue, and I think it's going to be a pretty interesting show. Stick around.